Welcome to the ACO Show. This is Josh Israel. I'm a physician and a medical director at Allidade, a company that helps independent physicians around the country start and run accountable care organizations in order to improve patient care and reduce unnecessary costs in the U.S. healthcare system. This interview was with Dr. Jen Brule and Dr. Ryan Knopp, two family physicians in the Allidade Kansas Accountable Care Organization. They practice in rural Kansas, but as you'll hear, they are practicing at the cutting edge of using technology and data to run a better medical practice. And you'll hear how embracing population health and value-based care hasn't just been good for their patients, but has also made their own work more meaningful and interesting. They also both speak very movingly about being a doctor, how even with all the challenges in modern medicine, at the heart of it, it's still something special to be part of patients' lives as a family practitioner. My co-host, Joe, couldn't be with us for this interview, but let's get to it. here with Dr. Jen Brule, who's a medical director of Allidade, Kansas, and the physician owner at Post Rock Family Medicine in Plainville, Kansas, and Dr. Ryan Knopp, who's a medical director for Allidade, Kansas, and a physician owner at Stone Creek in Manhattan, Kansas. So we'll start with you, Jen. I have been to your clinic. It's in rural Kansas, and it is not easy to get to. I flew into Kansas City and drove four very flat hours. I know people some people get there through Omaha or Denver, but there's no easy way to get there. Um, so, you know, you drive four hours through farm country, and then you end up at this really good-looking, shiny medical center where you are practicing the cutting edge of population health. And it's just really impressive what you're doing with data, what you're doing with value-based care. You make us East Coasters look really bad, and it's fantastic. So can you tell us a bit about how this came about? Sure. I've been in Plainville for almost 18 years now and kind of found my way there because I grew up in that part of the state and once I finished my medical training and residency I went back looking for a job in that part of the state and was very fortunate to have participated in a program with my medical school that forgave my loan debt for returning to a small place so Plainville is the place that I picked and it worked pretty well for the state of Kansas because I stayed there after the four years that I owed them. We have been doing quality improvement there since 2004 when we got approached by our state quality improvement organization or QIO to try it and we were on paper records at that time but it sounded interesting to me so we jumped in and got started and really just haven't looked back from that time and joining Allidade has just let us do that on a much bigger scale and as the medical director for Allidade Kansas I have loved being able to do quality improvement work with folks all over the state of Kansas. Uh, I told our commercial partner that it's like having 10,000 minions across the state Mm -hmm. to do my bidding and performance improvement. And you joined Allidade in 2016. Did, yes. Dr. Knopp, you joined in 2017. Correct, yeah, we've been part of the ACO. This is year two for us. Mm -hmm. And how did it come about that you got involved with population health? So if you ask me about our experience in in an ACO world, Three years ago, I would have said, I have no idea what an ACO is, and I might not have cared, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
a little over uh, two and a half years ago, we actually were part of a hospital-based system ACO in name only. Uh, we had no guidance, no data, no feedback, no sense of any work of an ACO. So that was a very short-lived experiment for us. That's uh, a strange experience. It is. <laughs> so talk about going from night to day. Uh, we, we went from that sort of ACO experience into Alidade, which has been for us very enlightening uh, in the way of the enormous amount of data and feedback and guidance that we've gotten in the ACO work. And, and a lot of that was just word of mouth. So we heard about it from colleagues and friends in Kansas and started exploring the idea and then, and then came on board, kind of initially explored it in 2016 and then joined officially in 2017. And once you'd had a sort of odd negative experience with an ACO, what made you want to find another one versus just saying, forget this? So at that point, we had we had bought into the idea that the system was all moving away from fee-for-service towards value-based care. So that was why we joined the initial ACO. But after that bad experience, we just felt like we needed to take it to that next level in, into an organization that would direct us in the way we wanted to go. So we, we believed in that concept of value-based care. Uh, we just needed the vehicle or the resources to be able to achieve it. Mm-hmm. And Jen, so you'd had some experience in some background in health information technology. And how about an exposure to accountable care organizations? Yeah. So Ryan and I were talking about my origin story <laughs> with Alidade on our way here from Kansas today. And I will tell you that my group of practices had looked at ACOs probably five years before we joined mm-hmm. Alidade. We had even signed up to participate with a rural ACO in the state of Kansas that never achieved the required number of lives. So that ACO didn't come to be, Mm -hmm. and it left us open for the idea that we were looking for a partner and wanted to find the right partner. And the right partner to us meant that we would have a voice in the accountable care organization that we joined um, and that we would not lose our autonomy as independent physicians Mm -hmm. when we joined that. I think that Alidade really made that possible for us and also checked off some uh, other really nice boxes like we'll give you data and we'll share the the work with you and we'll share the concept with you but we'll take the hard parts of an ACO the regulatory stuff and the paperwork and the staffing and all of that things off of you and um, it just really fit nicely with what we were looking for. And are there particular pieces of the data that you find helpful and actually we'll start with for the providers and then for the patients. Yeah so I have always been a data nerd, and um, having access to Alidade's tools for data management has been really fun at my practice level and at my medical director with my medical director hat on. Um, I love things like the Alidade app where we have the daily huddle and it tells us what's going on with our patients. Um, Recently, the app underwent a pretty significant update, and all of a sudden we have here are the last five hospitalizations your patient has had or touches with a hospital system. Did you know about them? And here are all the specialists that your patient has seen. 
did you know about that? Mm -hmm. And here are the preventive services that we know your patient had. What about the ones that we don't have evidence that your patient had? And it, it becomes this really rich point of care tool for the patients, which is great at the patient level. Um, when you zoom out to the population health level, it's been wonderful to gain access to things like care gap lists in ways that our EHR just really couldn't do for us. So if you'd like to know who all your people are who need uh, blood pressure control, we can tell you who left your office with uncontrolled blood pressure last time um, with really pretty up-to-date data. We work with commercial payers to tell us who hasn't had their mammogram or who hasn't had their well visit. And it's been very nice to have that population view and then also right at the point of care, the patient view. How about you, Ryan? You know, healthcare data can really be the definition of big data. There's just so much out there and just Medicare claims data, for example. Are there parts of it you have found helpful for your practice? Sure, absolutely. And probably one phrase I would throw out that describes my experience with the data side is, so it's been said that action leads to insight more often than insight leads to action. So in other words, I can sit here and I can hear this podcast and I can talk about how value-based care and data management and informatics can shape what action you take in the healthcare system. But once, and, and that happens oftentimes, but once you actually do the work and you you're in the action work of the ACO it's amazing the level of insight you then gain on how using data can shape how you practice day-to-day and benefit you know not only your practice but obviously your patients so you don't know what you don't know I did not know what my rates were on certain vaccination uh, metrics or uh, cancer screenings for example now I know that data and that then is translated into better performance improvement for my patient care and as either of you talk to other providers around the state or your regions, do you find it something people come ask you about or do you find yourself trying to recruit? How does that play out? I think it's been really fun. So I have been an Allidade proponent since I signed up in 2015 and started officially in 2016. And was, I think, um, a pretty good initial contact to the first 12 practices that started our ACO. Uh, Most of them were people that I knew, and it was people that I knew would be great partners in this new adventure. And I remember going to national meetings for my academy of family physicians, and you would run across one or two people and you'd be like, oh, you're you're an Allidade person. I'm so excited. And, and you would sort of bond, um, which was very exciting. So I just came back from New Orleans where our annual meeting was. And you can't not run into an Allidade person, which is very fun because it, you meet colleagues and they speak the same language as you. And I think more and more people are saying, why... Tell me about the ACO as opposed to what is an ACO. So tell me about your ACO as opposed to what is an ACO. That's an easier conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very fun. And most people at this point are thinking that they need to do something in this direction Mm -hmm. as opposed to being oblivious about what it is. Mm -hmm. And you both mentioned the quality measures, vaccinations and blood pressure. Um, Allidade, Kansas, what was the final score? It was 90... 98? 90, no, no, 99. It was north of 99. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, so, so Medicare measures uh, performance on certain metrics, and Allidade, Kansas got higher than 99%, so something's going well there. 
Yeah, that's been one of our focuses. My personal passion is around performance improvement, and it, it's it been really nice because I do it in my clinic, but then we can help all the clinics do this, and I think because we've developed a, a cadence and a set of tools to do it and a bunch of people who feel very invested in it, we can share that passion across the ACO, and people see that by doing the work of improving quality, they are improving the lives of their patients. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they make that connection, then the work of a list becomes the work of saving somebody's Mm -hmm. life. Yeah, yeah. Do you think your patients notice anything different about the care they get now that they are patients in an accountable care organization? Yeah, I think they do. You know, it's been a journey for us at Stone Creek over the two years. There's been a little learning curve there, but now two years in, I think most patients um, have have understood the work of the ACO, whether that's through their annual wellness visit and what that means for them, or experienced a transitional care management event coming out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. And when their physician's office reaches out to them, it just shows a, another level of caring that seems to go above and beyond the norm. Mm-hmm. So those are just be a couple examples I think our patients have uh, have recognized what the work of the ACO means. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, we talk openly with our patients. Uh, I've had many conversations with my patients about why are we doing this work of the ACO? What does this mean? Why is this good for patients and doctors and society? Um, and, and if I can, I might piggyback on, on the question you asked Jen there about you know, how do we talk to colleagues? How do we spread the Allidade message? And and a story I was thinking of on the flight here today, and I'll make it as brief as I can, is, you know, I'm, I'm 45 years old. Uh, for half of my life, I've been on what I call my journey through medicine. And that's been residency, you know, med school residency, then the practice of medicine. And it's been an amazing journey, and I'm very passionate about all the things that have been uh, the steps along that journey. So the learning of medicine, uh, the um, uh, the practicing of medicine, uh, the passion for the care I give my patients, and developing those relationships. But a lot of times, I would lay in bed at night and ask myself, "How am I in my lifetime going to make a difference?" For the country or the whole of our healthcare system, and and they say never say never, but I guarantee you, I'm never going to be a politician. So that's not the way that I'm going to mm-hmm. help the system. So when Allidade came along to me, that was my shot to make a difference for the system and, and for the country. And honestly, in some ways, you could say, can that leave a legacy then for our generation and our kids and our grandkids and our great grandkids? That's where I've seen this journey take me. And that's the sales pitch that I give to my colleagues is you get a chance to feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself. Uh, and, and that seems to be an effective message that people buy into as well. Yes, that's I mean, that's great moving even just hearing you say that. I mean, Farzad, our CEO, will often say that he, you may have both heard this, that he, he won't promise that your work will become easier, but that it can become more meaningful. And I think that's great. That's, that's one of Jen and I's favorite quotes from Farzad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we see uh, around the country uh, different sorts of practices. We work with people in more urban areas or just more rural areas. And one of the things I have found in my own work as a psychiatrist is that the rural providers seem a little more willing to consider more things as part of what they should be doing. I have been on work calls with you where you came in from having delivered babies. Uh, We don't see that with every family practitioner around the country. And for psychiatric patients, some of the the folks who practice in more urban areas, um, um, their primary expectation is that they will detect a psychiatric illness and then refer it out. 
where uh, with our providers who are in more rural areas, they often know that they, that they can't. And so they, they take it on a little bit more readily. Um, do you think that being a primary care provider in an ACO, where you are also the specialists in some cases, makes a difference for the work? I think so. Um, a lot of what we try to do is help family medicine docs, internal medicine docs, realize what's in their scope of practice and how they can actually provide more continuity of care to their patients when they provide those services inside their practice walls. There are definitely places across the United States where it's just not done that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I hear my colleagues who practice in other areas who feel frustrated about that. I also hear colleagues that that's where they feel comfortable. That's their zone. I don't think you'd be comfortable in uh, my neighborhood or probably even Ryan's neighborhood if you didn't feel pretty comfortable doing a very broad swath mm-hmm. of services. So I, I still, um, I practice part-time, but I, I still have a full a full scope of practice. I do deliver babies. I cover the emergency room. I see patients in the hospital. I do nursing home rounds. I do hospice and palliative care. Um, my 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 practice range is. I delivered a baby uh, a couple of weeks ago, and um, I have a patient in the nursing home who's 105. Mm-hmm. So I take care of generations of families, and in doing so, I think it makes me feel good when I can provide them with everything that they need, or as much as possible what they need. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you link that to ACO work, what you see is if your family physician did it, then they did exactly what you need when you needed it and not other things. Mm -hmm. Um, It also means that you didn't leave and then need to come back. And sometimes that leaving and coming back gets interrupted at some point in the process. It's not that I don't use my specialist colleagues. I do. I value them. I appreciate what they do that's outside my scope. but probably my friend who's a cardiologist does not want to see routine hypertension follow-up, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's, I'm good at that. I can, mm-hmm. I can take care of that. Yeah. And I think that for my patients, they'd rather see me mm-hmm. than somebody they see once a year. Yeah. And the, the Allidade providers in Kansas also have entered into some value-based contracts with commercial insurers. Is that right? And do you think that makes a difference for the work as far as making your panel at, you know, with everybody under a value-based contract make a difference? I think so. For our practice, it definitely has. Um, you know, as we started with the Medicare population, you're a little focused or honed in on just one segment of your practice. But then when you expand to a commercial contract, honestly, what it's done for us is we've really become blind to who the insurer or payer or contract is. It doesn't matter if it's Medicare, Blue Cross, you have to kind of get past that and just say, I'm employing these tactics and model of care and value-based care across my patient population. And and you just blind yourself to who's on their insurance card. I think also working with a commercial payer, Medicare is pretty stable, right? You turn 65, get Medicare and keep it till you die. Mm -hmm. Um, Working with a commercial payer has meant that people come in and out of that population rather unpredictably as employers change the health care plan that they select for their employees whole swaths of people will suddenly be in that plan or out of that plan and then back in that plan a year later when that's the most cost-effective plan and so like ryan our practice has said we have care managers for anybody who needs it 
We get paid by some people to do it, and we don't get paid by some people to do it, but we serve our patient population the same because what you don't know is if that person who is out of insurance right now and whose diabetes is not controlled because they can't afford their insulin will not have a commercial plan off of the health and the health insurance exchange next month with the commercial payer. And if you start that work as soon as you recognize that the patient needs help, then if they hit that commercial plan later, you are ahead of the game. And if they don't, you're still ahead of the game because you took care of the patient. Mm -hmm. That's great. Uh, And one of the things that uh, everyone from Allidade notices when they go out to Kansas, uh, even though that it's, it's really spread around, that it really feels like a community of doctors. Was it that way before people joined Allidade? Or did Allidade sort of bring it together? Well, I knew most of the people in the first year. So I would say that we had a fairly tight community and liked each other. And the few folks who were newer to us very quickly became good friends, Mm -hmm. um, which I think helped. And then maybe Ryan can speak to sort of being new to that group when you joined, but finding old friends. Yeah, I think so. We, you know, became acquainted again with med school classmates or friends from college days, even uh, throughout our our joining in the ACO and meshing together of practices across the state. Um, Really, though, it's just unexpected plus. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you create these, uh, you know, collegial interactions and, and networking that you would have had had you not joined the ACO. So I think there's that component. And then honestly, to me, there's just a, a Midwestern flavor to it. I mean, we're all very practical and hardworking. And, you know, when you were talking earlier about um, sort of uh, how we tackle things like uh, doing the full scope of practice, as Jen was alluding to, the phrase that always comes to mind to me is, uh, you know, it's been said that family physicians or primary care physicians are a jack of all trades and a master of none. Uh, My mentality, that's always rubbed me the wrong way. My mentality has been, sure, I'm a jack of all trades, and my goal is to be the master of every darn one of them I can be. Uh And I think that kind of mentality sort of goes through all the practices and, and, and the physicians in Kansas. We're, we're sort of hardwired that way and want to be hardworking for our patients and then work very well together to kind of accomplish some of the same goals. Nice. I think the one of the best things that has come out of this is as I have patients who have moved from Plainville to somewhere else in the state, I've had just a handful over the last couple of years, but I have gotten them all into an Allidade clinic. So I would say, this is where I want you to go because these people, I know they're good and I know what they're working on is important. And you're still gonna kind of be mine, (laughs) which is fun. Nice. We talked a bit about what you say to doctors who are thinking about joining an ACO. Um, I wonder what you would both say, or what you do both say, to younger people who are thinking about becoming physicians, especially family physicians right now. So I precept pre-med students from Fort Hay State University, which is about 30 miles south of me, and uh, we are one of the preceptor-friendly clinics in our area, so we get quite a few, a little bit of foot traffic that comes through. And I'm always encouraging but I also try to be very realistic. So when we have pre-med students or even med students who are making a choice for what specialty they're going to go into, and I think they'd be great family physicians, um, we show them the reality of practice. So they come to our practice management meetings, they come to our staff meetings, they come to our hospital meetings. So they they don't just get the picture of what happens when you see a half day of patients and 
you know, maybe of kids and procedures and OBs and adults and all the fun stuff that's there. But then they also get to see how do physicians work together to make things run in the place. And I think that when you open that door to people, it helps them understand the realities of what they're getting into. Um, But it also, I think in our community, helps them understand that uh, physicians have more in their job description than seeing the next patient in room Mm -hmm. three. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. I've had this conversation with my own 14-year-old daughter, Amelia, who's just starting to ask herself what she wants to do in her life and, and seems to be gravitating towards medicine and interested in that. So as Jen said, it's important to be open and honest. I mean, I do tell her to me, and yes, I'm biased, but it's still one of the most noble professions that we can have as human beings. We get that chance to interact with humans in their most vulnerable moments and times where you'll cry with patients when you are facing a life-threatening illness and you'll laugh with those patients who are good for a good joke every time they come in and you'll hold the hand of the mom as the baby is delivered. I mean, these moments in life you have to cherish and realize what a privileged spot it is to be in, in that and walk that with patients. And you also have to realize what hard work that is and how draining that can be at times. And somewhere in that journey, you still have to wake up every day and find the passion. And and I'll tie this into my story from earlier when, when I said that for me, part of the new passion I've developed is looking at this from a population-based health standpoint. I'll be honest and tell you 15, 16 years into my practice, I was hitting a little bit of that burnout wall that some of us as physicians hit. Probably anybody doing anything hard for a long time. That's right. It absolutely happens. And so for me, as I hit that, I'm going to also tell you the thing that's pulled me back to a very high level of passion and engagement in a new way is the work of Validate and the ACO. Uh, And I mean that in all honesty. So, and not to be dramatic, but I feel like in some ways that sort of rescued me from the precipice of burnout. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so to me, I like to share that story with Amelia because there'll be phases and stages of your career where you'll find new passions and ways to engage uh, more. And that's part of the journey. Uh, but, but again, I, I still think medicine is an mm-hmm. unbelievable privilege to be able to uh, be part of that in patients' lives. Yeah, I used to supervise residents at a, at a big medical center in California. And um, sometimes people would get down on the job and wish they'd done something else. And I would say, look around this medical center. There's five or 10,000 employees here. Would you rather have any job in this place besides a doctor? I think it's a, it's a good job. It just it has its challenges like anything. Mm-hmm. Would you suggest to people going to medicine that they learn some business? You know, you're both part owners of your clinics. Did you feel like you had any idea how to do that when you started? <laughs> I, I thank God for my senior partner, Dan Sanchez, who taught me everything I know. Um, he, uh, he had been there um, for about 10 years before I got there and was an amazing mentor. And I remember opening my own practice and the first one of the first things I had to do was figure out how to pay my employees Um, and and that meant I mean I was way small we're a collaboration of solo practices that make up post-rock and um, I was the person who put stuff in QuickBooks and who wrote the paychecks and I, I remember spending a very discouraging evening reading the federal tax guide on how to calculate and pay Suda and Fuda. And they were the four-letter words for me that night, I'm telling you what. And I, I remember telling 
my husband, I can't believe that I can't figure this out. I, mm-hmm. I have an MD, and I can't figure this out. And it was incredibly frustrating. And it it took, I've been in practice almost 18 years, and it, it probably took five or six before I felt like I understood how money got to me. Mm-hmm. Like, what actions I took and then what path that money took before it actually got back to me and I got paid. And I think that had I, and this is one of the reasons why I expose med students to what we do. Like you should see, you should know what AR is. You should understand the revenue cycle. You should understand what's good and what's worrisome um, because I never had any of that. And it was incredibly overwhelming. And I am thankful that I landed in a supportive place where somebody would tell me for the 89th time, what was going on with that particular report. So yes, we should, I don't know if you need a business degree, but you need exposure. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with all that. It's, uh, you know, I had had zero um, uh, inclination towards what the business side of medicine meant. Uh, and my mentors were Dr. Doug Hinkin and Dr. Kevin Wall, uh, just like Jen had her mentors. And so their experience was invaluable, um, and I think that's the beauty of private independent practice, the model of being able to mentor and, and train your younger partners. Uh, and, and honestly, that's why I, I'm all in for the Allidate experience, cause, because I feel like uh, you, know, you guys give us the ability to stay independent and to sort of further that model uh, in the world of medicine, and to me, that's a huge win. All right, well, thank you both so much for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great.